Hey y'all, this is Allie Spears, your host of the Ag Chicks podcast, where I cultivate connections with the women who are helping feed the world. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Today's episode is with J.C. May. J.C. May grew up on a seed stock cattle operation in Stillwater, Oklahoma that her family still manages today. She started being involved on the family operation at a young age by exhibiting her bread and owned Angus cattle on the county, state, and national levels. She's a fourth generation cattle producer. After graduating high school, she accepted a livestock judging scholarship to Blackhawk College in Illinois, and her national champion team was coached under the hands of Dan Hogue and Brian Arnold. After judging on the JUCO circuit, JC went back to her Oklahoma roots and graduated from the Oklahoma State University in 2014. She currently works for Corteva AgriSciences as a range and pasture specialist covering Alabama, Mississippi, and the Florida Panhandle. She's rewarded daily in her role to help families like her own be profitable on their own cattle operations by making the best decisions to grow more forage. Okay, well, what is this now? Our third, fourth attempt, I feel like? Yes, we got it. Oh man, nothing like technology issues to start the day off, right? Exactly. I mean, wouldn't be, you know, a day in life if we didn't have it. Exactly. I know technology makes things easy, but man, can it make things difficult too? Yes. Well, I'm very excited to chat with you today, JC. Uh, and so for those of you who are listening, I'm I'm sitting down with JC and you would have just kind of heard her bio and introduction. And so we're just going to kind of get right into it. And so JC and I met, uh, shoot, what was it now? Two Houston NCBA, whenever yeah. they, you know, they had the second NCBA. It was, yes. was it February or no? Yeah, I think it was February. Yep. Would that have been of 22, I guess? 22. Yep, 22. So yeah, so we met uh, at NCBA. That was my first NCBA conference, I'm pretty sure. My first it was? Yeah, I was. You acted like you have been doing the knowledge rooms for like your whole life. <laughs> like okay. I wouldn't have known. Thank you because I was so nervous. To be there. <laughs> and then especially when like Rachel sat down next to me and then um, the other couple, I was like, oh my gosh, like somehow my name got put in this shuffle by accident. No, you did great. I was like, man, she's an old pro. It was, um, it was fun. And so just again, kind of for those of you who are listening, so JC and I met there and kind of connected uh, just kind of based off of our similar but different scenarios and stories and just being kind of, you know, young women in the industry. And so I knew that I wanted to to have you on for season four. So thank you for joining me. I'm, I can't wait to kind of talk more about you. Yeah, Allie, I'm so thrilled to be, you know, here talking with you and to be a part of your podcast. Honestly, um, this is something I've really always wanted to do. So I appreciate you having me on. Of course. Is this your first podcast? Yeah. <gasps> Yay. I love when I get to be people's firsts. <laughs> My first. Yeah. This is awesome. Well, welcome. Um, and and we're, we're excited to have you. So uh, JC, why don't we kind of talk a little bit about kind of growing up? I know you're from Oklahoma. Yeah. So where exactly in, in Oklahoma are you from? 
Yeah, so I was born and raised um, in Stillwater. So where Oklahoma State is, go Pokes. Got to give a shout out. Um, but yeah, I grew up on a seed stock operation, cattle operation there that my family still manages today. It's really changed since, you know, I was at home. I, I was able to be a part of the family operation at a young age by showing uh, my bread owned Angus cattle herd really across the country, you know, uh, obviously was real involved locally with 4-H and FFA um, and then you know going to junior nationals in the summer which I you showed Herefords right? I did show Herefords but I yes. also showed Angus and so yeah yeah I think you mentioned that I think maybe we talked about that at NCBA yeah yeah and I we were trying to figure out I think um, I know you're a little bit older than me but when like if we would have crossed paths potentially at junior nationals because we potentially yes could. I bet we I bet we did we just didn't even know it I know, right? Especially because when I saw you and like when I heard your name, I was like, I feel like I know your name. Um, yeah. but I don't know if. Wow. <laughs> would you have a, gone to what is that? I don't know what year it was, but Junior Nationals in Denver for Angus. Yes, yes, right. in 2010, I think, like yes. that long ago. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh, what is that? Like 13 years. Holy cow! <laughs> I know. Yeah, that probably would have been. Uh, you know, that was like when I was graduating high school, and that's kind of when I stopped showing. Um, I went on to college, you know, after uh, my high school career and I actually judged, I had a livestock judging scholarship to Blackhawk, which is in Illinois. So I was fortunate enough to, you know, be coached by some really impressionable people like Dan Hogue and Brian Arnold. And that was like such an interesting experience for me from, because I mean, Blackhawk's like 12 hours away from where I grew up. And right. You know, I've traveled a lot to different shows with my family, like obviously junior nationals, but like Denver and Louisville and uh, different things. And um, I, I guess I didn't realize how much growth I would experience moving that far away from home. And I knew, um, and you know, there's good judging schools in Oklahoma, but I knew I was going to come back to Oklahoma State. So mm -hmm. I was like, hey, why don't I give this a try? And um I'm not going to lie to you. My first few weeks there, I was, I, it was hard right. um, being so far away from my family and not feeling like I had a lot of people to rely on that way, but it really uh, pushed me into like who I am today, I think, and being more willing to like take risks and um, know that, you know, I, I'll be okay, right. but I'm you know, good friends there and learned a lot. Obviously, it was neat to network with different livestock, cattle, hog, sheep producers up in the Midwest. You know, I had, you know, know a lot of, had grown up around a lot of those folks in Oklahoma and, you know, just showing on the national level as, you know, you get to know a lot of these folks, but it was so neat to see how people run their operations and, you know, really connect with the folks like that. And I also have family that lives up north. So in Wisconsin, so I was able to, um, you know, I have cousins that are close to my age. So I was able to spend a lot of time with them too, um, because I was closer. So it was a really neat experience. And then I knew, well, I was kind of, I won't say I was forced, <laughs> a third generation cowgirl. So, you know, my whole family basically went to Oklahoma state. So I just have been you know, since I was a little girl, known that's kind of what I wanted to do, and um, I studied ag communications there, and I um, was a part of the, like, College of Ag 
uh, ambassador program. And then I also was a tour guide. So that was a really cool way to, you know, meet families in a broader sense on a tour that morning. And then like later that afternoon, be able to really hone in on agriculture and the College of Ag as a whole with that same family that I gave a tour to earlier that day. Like that was really neat. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I think a very unique experience. Um, obviously, so like for me, I work in recruiting a lot for my, yeah. for my real job at Texas A&M. And I think that's one of my favorite pieces is being able to kind of, you know, show them all of the great things about the school, but then really get to dive deeper kind of at different levels and build relationships. Because I think that's at the end of the day, we're all kind of in the business of relationships, whether you're, um, you know, selling cattle or selling, uh, selling chemicals or whatever, you know, like that's really the kind of the business that we are all in, in some aspect. Yeah. And the good thing is agriculture is still a people relationship business. And I think it always will be. Um, but you know, after school, I was fortunate enough to start, uh, you know, a job with Dow AgriSciences and I, um, with, when you start, it's kind of fun, I guess, in a way, because you really, it's kind of scary too, because you don't know where you're, they're going to put you like right off the bat. So you work as a sales trainee where, you know, you work under a sales person to get, gain experience, which was really amazing because I got put in uh, the North Delta of Arkansas, which, you know, they grow a lot of rice, cotton, sorghum, you know, obviously grain, corn and beans too. So it's a big learning curve going from, you know, I've been around farms before. I grew up on a cattle operation, but being really immersed in row crop culture. And I would say that really pushed me to, uh, you know, want to be more involved in just the day-to-day of ag and helping folks be more profitable on their operations. But I mean, girl, I've never seen a rice field before. So you can, you can just imagine like my, the learning curve I was in. Um, and then when a ter- when a range in pasture territory came open, I was grateful and um, was like, yes, I will, would love to work on that side of the business. And I love that um, Dow and now Corteva, they, the, they call it a, you know, they call it, sorry, um, they call it a, a tra- it's not a trainee anymore. It's an associate territory manager. Okay. <laughs> sorry, um, it's been a while. So the, the cool thing about that role is you get to really learn the business. They give you the opportunity to learn. Like, I didn't know about the products I sell now or what, you know, how many different weed species there are in pastures before, right. you know, and I love that they give you a grace period or time to learn uh, to be able to be successful. So I started working here in Alabama now uh, in 2015, and I've been here ever since, uh, but I cover Alabama, Mississippi, and the panhandle of Florida for Corteva selling uh, range and pasture products. So some of the main uh, products I sell are Duracore, Grazon Next, Remedy. Um, Those are just a few things that, you know, I'm helping uh, sell down here. And I would say I love this job because it's more of a support type role. I feel like I'm really getting to help impact these landowners and ranchers bottom line 
with our products, you know, it's not just, uh, oh, I don't, you know, being able to explain it to someone like my family, Mm -hmm. uh, why they, you know, should use our products has been really fun and rewarding for me, uh, being able to give them 45 more days of, you know, grazing with uh, application of a residual herbicide like Duracore is a big deal. Um, yes. Especially when commodity prices are like they are. And, you know, it's just, we're always watching that bottom line. I think being able to really like help people understand that is, has been really fun for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, kind of exactly what you just said. I think when people think about agriculture, right. And I'm guilty of this too, like from like a kind of base level, you know, we're talking about farmers and ranchers, but there's so many different aspects of the industry that really, like you said, are the support system to the farmers and ranchers to be able to allow them to do their job. And so um, individuals like yourself and companies like Corteva are really, you know, like without that, like farmers and ranchers could not do their job. And they're um, allowing them to, like you said, kind of be able to extend time in pastures, um, therefore, you know, saving feed costs on, you know, potentially feeding hay or grain or whatever the situation may be. Um, and just trying to really help to make sure that the best products are being put out for end consumers as well. And so I think yeah. a lot of times the the chain link of kind of what you do gets overlooked and, and not thought about, but really you're a vital piece of the system as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I, when I first came into this role, you know, obviously it was another big learning curve because the weeds we have in Oklahoma are very different than the right. ones we have here in Alabama oh, and sure. you know, very grateful for the folks who took a chance on me and like really helped me understand you know what I'm looking at and um giving me you know the confidence to work you know to to work and help folks like um you know there's like a hundred different weed species that can be in a pasture and right. Um, you know, in row crops where I like immediately was before, there's like five different ones that everyone struggles with, you know, like Palmer pigweed, mare's tail, you know, morning glory, you know, that you're going to have in a corner bean field, but like in a pasture, you're going to have, you know, briars, dog fennel, ironweed, you know, you name it, thistles. And so, um, I mean, just being able to help people identify the problem and then like, Hey, you're not just making this look aesthetically pleasing, like you're actually bringing a whole nother, you know, couple months of extended grazing time for these cattle here, or, or maybe it's like people don't realize, oh, I could add a whole nother, you know, couple more cow-calf pairs to this pasture after I right. started it, you know, I don't have to sell them or whatever, buy more land, so it's really taking like the assets, our farmers and ranchers are, you know, working, wanting to keep, wanting to work toward and make it better. If you're looking to make realistic life changes and wanting someone to help you with learning and maintaining consistency, Megan is your gal. Megan doesn't believe health and fitness should be a one-size-fits-all approach and therefore is dedicated to creating a plan that is best fit for your goals and needs. Every workout plan is custom written to meet your goals, schedule, gym, or at-home workout needs and comes with weekly check-ins and email support. Additionally, she also has limited spots available for FaceTime training sessions. Visit MeganNicoleFitness.com today to kickstart your health journey. And I mean, there's a piece of education too, right, that you play yeah. in terms of all of that obviously you're selling products but 
you have to be able to educate them in order for them to understand why they may need those product products. Yeah, this job, if anything, has made me realize like, um, you know, sales, marketing, whatever you want to call it. I feel like it's just simplifying the message uh, to bring value to the field and just raising awareness to, you know, create a sale for, you know, Corteva or retailer, whoever, but, um, people want to buy from people. Yes. And if you're, if you're not able to like explain why it's valuable to, um, Jim, who's a 65 year old rancher, who's been doing this his whole life, you're not going to get on that acre. And so, um, I try to look at it as more of every, not everyone, but a lot of the goal here is to help people like my family uh-huh. and because of that passion I have, I think that really um, just gets me going. And, you know, there's days that are really hard. I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie, Allie, I've had some hard weeks, but uh-huh. I continue to wake up in the morning and want to, you know, do the best I can for the people who are providing for everybody, you know, the ranchers that are feeding the world. So. Yes. And I think like going back a little bit kind of to your background as well, I guess my first question would be, did you always know you wanted to go back into agriculture as like a career uh, determining things? Yes, I always knew um, I wanted to work uh, with the people who've helped me along the way, you know, and that's really cool too, just be able to like give back, you know, even to like oh, the, the folks who helped me maybe with like a speech contest at mm-hmm. the Junior Nas- the junior Angus uh, show, you know, uh, Junior Nationals or, you know, my ag teachers or um, just different people, my dad, my family along the way. I feel like I'm like being able to give back to them in this role, um, yeah. through this role. And, um, but yeah, I always, I guess to answer your question, I always knew I wanted to be an ag, but I just didn't know exactly how I would fit fit there so I thought I wanted to do maybe more like um publication work with like a livestock magazine or something like that and I really enjoy that kind of work but I never thought I wanted to do sales like if you would have asked me if I wanted to do sales I would have been like I don't know I'd rather do you know maybe more PR behind the scenes things but like I said this job is not your traditional um sales role I mean it is sales but it is more marketing and and building you know value propositions and segmenting your customers out and just like really knowing how to how these products work for the end user and like a lot of it is teaching my retailers this and like helping them feel confident and comfortable explaining this to their ranchers and growers right and so, yeah, no, I think that that makes sense because you you kind of answered my next question in terms of, did you ever see yourself in sales? And so, um, and I think too, a lot of times, right, we end up in places we don't necessarily see coming or plan for, but those are sometimes kind of the best uh, turns that we take in life. But yeah. my, in like addition to that question and kind of thought line there, do you think that the things that you did growing up, um, prepared you in a way you maybe didn't expect to be like successful in your career I guess oh my goodness (laughs) yes I mean I was talking to my dad the other day and I was like I'm so glad that you know at the time I probably was not 
glad that I had to do this all summer, well, mm-hmm. you know, wash my heifers and right. you know, chores and everything while my friends were on vacation or whatever it was. But I'm like, I'm so glad that I did that because now I feel um, just overall, a more, not saying the other spectrum of that is not good or whatever. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm a more well-rounded individual. Um, and yeah, I mean, just growing up, in ag it prepares you for so many things and I would say even like adversity and just challenges that I run into um being able to work with people um you know I guess I probably didn't realize that being around older people you know in the cattle industry you're around a lot of the the breeders and the um you know and people our age but also older folks I'm like you know I've been able to carry a conversation with people you know like my dad's age since I was you know four or five exactly like those are things that are kind of going unnoticed until you're in a role like this and you're like wow I I mean my customers really respond well to me I guess that's because of this you know and and you just kind of realize you have these qualities that maybe uh weren't really thought about before (laughs) right no exactly well even just kind of listening about you talking about livestock judging and everything. And I'm thinking about myself too, a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're similar. <laughs> we are similar. And I guess I just, I mean, I knew we were similar and we talked about a lot of our commonalities too before, but um, you know, just being able to give a set of reasons, right. I mean, you're basically selling your thought process. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of something that you probably have to do on a fairly daily basis. And then, you know, giving tours to people and connecting with people, that's probably something that you are, you're doing on a daily basis too. And just, it's funny to think about life in terms of all of these different things that you've done, all of these different experiences that you've had. And in the moment, you're not thinking like, oh, this is going to help me for my career. Yeah, you're not like, oh, yeah, I'm going to. I mean, I did think that with livestock judging, I guess, because I was older whenever I made that decision. But, you know, and but yeah, when you're younger, you don't think, oh, this little experience is really going to shape out to be. um, a pivotal thing for me and you know in my career so yeah you're exactly right and I would say another thing um, and I mentioned this earlier is like people want to do business with people and that is still a quality that is never in the ag industry anyway will never go away um, no matter how you know technical things get or how much digital things are getting it's always going to be a people business and I think that's also why you know I'll always work and be a part of agriculture you know not just with you know my family's operation but in this realm uh, because of that and I think that's just so important no I totally agree and because we live in a digital world and because I I think I mean you are right on the spot there in terms of I think agriculture like you said will always be a people business no matter how technologically advanced we get and I don't know if some of the other industries will keep that mindset <laughs> as things move exactly. forward. Uh, but do you think because, like, I guess what's my question here? Do you think because agriculture is so people-based, like, how do we keep that as things are evolving and, you know, it's so much easier to send somebody a text than, than give them a phone call or whatever? Um, and that's a big question that I realize I'm asking you now. But Yeah, I was like... <laughs> Hey, Allie. <laughs> um, I, I don't have, you know, this is just my thoughts on it. Right. I don't know if it's the right answer, but I think people like um, you and I who uh, 
uh, were raised, you know, around it, but keeping, staying in it, you know, I know some, a lot of families, um, or a lot of folks, you know, they may have other aspirations and that's great, but I think keeping people who are around it, um, in it. And then I think people like you and I encourage others to join who maybe haven't had the pleasure to grow up that way or be around it as much. I think they, they think, oh, wow, like, that's really interesting. I think you have to be open and, um, you know, just good personality, good person to get the other people to see, wow, this is a great industry. I want to be a part of this, you know? Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right there. And um, I think that's probably a, a task maybe our parents and their parents really didn't have to think about too much. But I think as there's probably a little bit more generational shift going on maybe now than there has been in the past. I think that's a task that we are going to have to focus on a little bit. It's going to be a big task for us and to just continue to be, um, you know, open with the people who may not understand, you know, where their food comes from or just being open with those people and uh, being able to tell our stories in a way that they understand. I think that's a big deal too. And I think to keep it like that, you've got to have people who are willing to talk, pick up the phone and talk. I mean, that's a great example, but just uh, show that we are a unit, you know, be unified within the ag spectrum. Yes. And I think, so, oh, I guess it's been two, three weeks now. Um, You know, I went to Denver to kind of do the the trailblazer training at the NCBA office. And we were talking a lot about the beef community. And, uh, you know, I had a thought while I was sitting there is we, as an industry, when we're talking to consumers, we talk about ourselves as the agriculture industry. But when we're talking to each other, we we break ourselves up into the different segments that we are, which very logical, right? But also it's almost like when we're talking to outsiders, you know, we're trying to paint this really cohesive picture, but then when we look inside a little bit deeper, we're not quite as cohesive. And so it's kind of trying to figure out how each section of the industry can be represented to a factual way that they really are in terms of the reality and the the processes and procedures and um, the people that they are within those different aspects, but also how do we get all of those different facets to come together to really be that united front too? And yep. That's something I don't know if anybody has the answer to. But. Yeah, it's like, Allie, we would be, uh, you know, millionaires if we had that all figured out. But right. I think it's just um, being open-minded, being respectful of others, and just, um, you know, really trying to understand their side of the industry, too. Yeah, and I think that's something that uh, maybe we don't always do a great job of is, you yeah. know, I- I know how I do things on my operation, but I can't tell you what Jim does down the street. Um, And and we are so busy in agriculture too, to where we don't necessarily have the time to go (laughs) figure out those things. And maybe we don't need to, and and maybe that's kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent um, as well. But uh, I think it's important that we get the younger generation involved, just exactly like what you said, um, as, as things are changing and, um, people are phasing out. And I think it's special for both of us that we are generational. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fourth generation, you're third generation, and and we still want to be involved. And so I think that's something that's unique and special. And, um, I think also us as women wanting to be involved in this industry is something that's, uh, 
encouraging. Yes, it is. No, I agree with you. And I think that's, uh, you know, why it's important to, you know, network and get involved. And, you know, that's, I say this and, you know, we get so caught up in, you know, our jobs, or our personal lives that sometimes it's hard to like make time to go to NCBA or, you know, you're even just your local cattlemen's meeting or young farmers or whatever it is. But, you know, if I could tell, give any piece of advice, it's just get involved, you know, just go try to um, make an impact. And uh, with that, you know, I think that helps grow our industry to be more united too. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And that's uh, something that even personally, I'm trying to be better at. Is, like you said, like we have so much going on. Everybody has so much going on, but uh, really trying to focus on some of the little stuff. And I think too, that's where some of these really important connections can happen too, is where, you know, you're at NCBA and you sit down at lunch with uh, JC May and you make a friend, you know what I mean? Yes, exactly. You're on my podcast, so. I love it. Yeah. That's, I think we just got to continue doing stuff like that and to not, as you know, things become more digital and, you know, we want to feel the urge to just like, oh, I got stuff to do at home and this and that. I think being able to like to do just like, like you, what you just mentioned is so important. Yeah, for sure. Well, JC, as our time is kind of coming to an end here, um, I want to thank you for being a guest. And I hope that this was not too painful for your first time. I uh, I really appreciate you kind of taking time to, to sit down and chat with me today. But as we're wrapping up, is there anything, I know you said some really great words of wisdom throughout the entire episode today, but anything you would maybe suggest to somebody who, um, you know what, I'm going to change this a little bit because <laughs> we are both, we are both women that have moved away from our family operations. Okay. And I know we've both talked about how that's challenging, but also rewarding in a sense. And so what is something maybe you would say to someone thinking about leaving home to pursue something, uh, just kind of based off of your experiences? I'll, I'll, uh, you know, it's hard to put just one thing together. So I guess I have a couple things to say. Um, so when I was leaving, you know, I remember telling my dad, like, Hey, I, I want to be involved and, uh, on our operation, but you know, this job is calling me here. And I remember his words of encouragement were, were, you know, that's why they make planes, trains and cars, you know, right. he's like, we'll be here, come visit. He's like, but as you know, to contribute to the operation, you know, I think he encouraged, he was very encouraging to go get other, um, go bring something back home that can help, you know? And I think that's, that's one th part of the deal. And the other part is start before you're ready. Um, I think that's a really big thing that we all are. Sometimes I felt like before I would get caught up and well, it just has to be perfect before I want to do this, but start before you're ready. You'll learn along the way because you're never going to be ready. Um, and if, and if it doesn't work out, uh, you can always, um, if you want go back home or find something different, but um, start before you're ready. Yes, I think that is such a valuable piece of advice that people don't talk about enough, honestly. Because yeah, I think we all get caught up in like uh, in our heads a little bit about well, it has to be this way, it has to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, you just need to go and do it, you know, yeah. go and try it. If you don't try, you'll never know. Exactly, exactly. Well, JC, again, thank you so much. Um, if you anybody, what was that? 
I said, I lo- I've loved visiting with you. I've loved this. It's fun. Yes, absolutely. We need to do this more yeah. um, in person, not virtually. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> Um, but if somebody is wanting to connect with you, what is the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, so they can shoot me an email if they want to do that at jc at gmail.com. And my name, I guess, is in the notes for how to how that is spelled. Yes. <laughs> or you can follow me on Instagram at jcamay. Perfect. And uh, like she said, all of that information will be in the show notes. And thanks so much for spending time with me. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Allie. It's so nice to visit with you, and I hope I get to see you soon. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks for more agricultural-related content, and also be sure to check out your favorite podcast here from www.agchicks.net. We'll see you next time.